0: You are listening to the Brad Lafrap Podcast, Episode 8. This week I'm talking to ProWrestlingIowa.net writer and co-host of the Pro Wrestling Iowa Podcast, Kevin Wilder. So, let's get started. Hey everybody, Brad LaFrat here. Welcome to another episode of the Brad LaFrat Podcast. I want to thank you for listening. The podcast is produced every other Monday for you, and I encourage everyone to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can also find the podcast on podbean.com. Make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Brad LaFrat Pod. That's B-R-A-D-L-A-F-R-A-T-T-E-P-O-D. And you can also follow me at Brad LaFrat. All links will be in the show notes. On this week's show, I will be talking to Kevin Wilder, who is a writer for ProWrestlingIowa.net and co host of the Pro Wrestling Iowa podcast. Kevin and I explain why SmackDown is considered to be WWE's A Show, what top independent wrestlers we expect to sign with the WWE next, the possibility of a Brock Lesnar and Goldberg match at Survivor Series, and we also discuss the recent. Rumors of WWE possibly buying TNA. This week, my guest is a writer for ProWrestlingIowa.net and the co-host of the Pro Wrestling Iowa podcast, Kevin Wilder. Kevin, I appreciate you taking time to join me. It's uh, great to have the opportunity to talk to you. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. It seems like old times here to have uh, you and I talking about uh, wrestling and uh, other things, I guess, maybe. No Mercy was tonight, so I just watched that, so... Everything's fresh in my mind,
0: and I'm amped to go. Appreciate you having me on. Glad to be here. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to talk pro wrestling and some of the hot topics involving the world of professional wrestling. But before we get started, Kevin, can you let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at KevWilds. That's K-E-V-W-I-L-D-S.
1: Again, that's at KevWilds on Twitter. Um, And anyone that's interested, I'm on Facebook. Kevin Wilder on Facebook as well.
0: Kevin, you mentioned No Mercy tonight, that which took place from Sacramento, California, on the WWE Network. Will you be having a review? Is there anything that you would like to plug that we l- our listeners can see on ProWrestlingIowa.net this coming week?
1: Gee, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, yeah no, it's uh, it's going to be on the ProWrestlingIowa.net website. You could find my review of WWE No Mercy that was that aired tonight on the WWE Network. That review will be up later tonight. So if you want to check that out, my thoughts and review of WWE, No Mercy on the WWE Network.
0: Quickly, what are some things that stood out to you tonight at No Mercy? Well,
1: um, I mean, basically, in a nutshell, it was it was basically... I mean, it, the, the show ended 20 minutes early, which kind of took me back to the way the shows used to be when I would go to their video store and, and rent the Coliseum video. It, it, those pay-per-views were like two and a half hours, so it was kind of a nice throwback to that. It's hard to... When you have two really good matches, which No Mercy had, it had the the three-way title match, which was strangely and kind of almost interestingly refreshing to have the the main event, which is supposed to be the main event, world title match, be the first match. And then you had the Intercontinental match with Dolph Ziggler and the Miz. Those are both really good matches. Uh, The rest of it was kind of standard TV filler. Like, when I say that, I mean, it could have been on any episode of SmackDown, and you wouldn't have remembered it, really. It didn't really stand out as something memorable. But those other two matches made it, I guess, a thumbs up. And it's hard to complain, when, especially when the show ends 20 minutes early. So it didn't seem like it was a marathon, like sometimes their shows are.
0: Let's get into some of those uh, professional wrestling topics. The WWE draft brought a lot of excitement to the WWE uh, Universe initially in July when it took place. But I think most wrestling fans thought, especially with Raw having more depth on the roster, thought that Raw would continue to be the A show. Are you surprised that SmackDown is now considered to be the better product?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, especially um, if you looked at the way the draft went down. SmackDown ended up with Raw ended up with more talent. I mean, they, you know, they even said the rules was for every basically for every one pick, or SmackDown got Raw got two. So they were, you know, of course, you could say the three hours, and that, that was the reason for that. Plus, they got the Cruiserweight division. So knowing that going in, you're thinking, and you look at the roster that SmackDown ended up with, besides Randy Orton and Cena, and I, and I guess they got AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose. I mean, they had a pretty good main event roster, but everything underneath was really lackluster compared to Raw. And it, it looked like SmackDown was being perceived as the B-Show again. And uh, Raw had a really good episode right out the gate of the new era with Finn Balor and everyone being introduced. Really good uh, start of that show Sasha Banks winning the women's title for the first time. And Smackdown had kind of a weak show, but ever since then, Smackdown has uh, been a better show every week since then and it's really uh, taking shape and it's the show that I look most forward to every week. There's a lot of benefits to it, Uh, there's a lot of things that that Smackdown has in its favor. Two hours long, tight two hours, and when it hits two hours, it's done. It doesn't run over to ten minutes or anything like that. Two hours, ten minutes, two hours, fifteen minutes, It's, it's done in two hours. So they're forced to write the best show they possibly can with no filler, and they've and they've utilized every mid card and lower card talent wisely. They're trying to find something for everybody, and you also don't see everybody every week. So if American Alpha's not on one week, you see him the next week. It makes you wanting more, and like I said, there's a lot of things going right for SmackDown that I think Raw doesn't have the benefit of. But Raw, a Raw, whoever is in charge of writing that, and I think Vince McMahon is a lot more hands on with Raw that gets in their way a lot too because Vince's vision for wrestling is just different than what I think the fans of today want.
0: We talked, and I credited, uh, before we started recording, I thought SmackDown had, especially creatively, I think it, are telling better stories, and I think you hit it on the, the nail. They're they're trying to find a way to utilize everybody on that shorter depth roster there at SmackDown. I had mentioned before, also before we started re, uh, recording that not all stories are told around titles on smackdown i think they're doing a better job of just overall telling better stories it's i feel on raw everything is centered around titles especially that you know wwe universal title i think that they're doing the cruiserweight division a disservice a lot of talent there to be utilized but i don't think they're a couple things i don't like i do not like that they're making a, a spectacle by changing the ropes the turnbuckles back to You know, using the purple uh, with the logo, I I just I feel that's a disservice. I think it's making a spectacle. I think I think the cruiserweight division should be part of Raw. It should be integrated. It should not be a spectacle. It just seems like it's a spectacle to me. Any other match, they're not shaking hands after a match. I don't see it necessary to continue that tradition from the cruiserweight. I respect that. That's I, I see a lot of Japan in that in that notion but i don't think it's necessary i think you could have more storylines with cruiserweights by you know having them face bigger guys and not just you know guys in their own division i think they need to make a better effort to make the cruiserweight division part of raw
1: yeah no that's a good point i agree i agree with with everything but one thing but i'll 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 clarify what i mean but i agree that the purple ropes um it just seems a little bit I don't want to say pointless, but it seems unnecessary. Like a lot of work. If you have two matches on Raw and you got to change the ropes out, I, I, I know that's probably a small, trivial thing in the, in the grand scheme of things. But I, I do think that's unnecessary. And like you said, it, it, they need to be integrated into the show. And by separating them that much, it's like this is an exhibition as opposed to part of the overall production of the show. And and I agree. You don't need them to have shit. You don't need to have the ref have them both stand there and get their arm raised. And, and, and part of the, and, or and shake hands before and after the match. Just have the matches tell the story and and have normal storylines and angles like you would in any other division. And I think what it does is, is it highlights that the stuff that they're doing is different than the rest, and maybe to be not not to be taken as serious like it's an exhibition instead of they're actually fighting for something. The Cruiserweight Classic was great, and I think that they do that there that makes it stand out, but when they come up to Raw, they need to be integrated more. But the thing I don't like about them being involved with the heavyweights is that the moment you have these guys getting choke slammed by Big Show, then their credibility is lost because now their, their weakness, excuse me, it w- it's not a weakness, but it will be considered a weakness, their size, the moment that happens. So I see where you're coming from. I agree with you on everything except that one little thing, but I don't know if that's what you meant, but I wanted to clarify
0: to play off that I I kind of envision if they want to make a statement for the cruiserweight division and people to not go get a sandwich or a drink or take a piss break I think that they need to make an impact the best way I see them making impact and people taking their spot on Raw more seriously is by having one of those cruiserweights Pull a one-two-three kid on like Braun Strowman, uh, someone challenging him in the cruiserweight division and saying, "Hey, I'm here too, and this division is more than just a weight limit." And make a statement by having a guy like Rich Swan come out and challenge Braun Strowman, and you know have a one-two-three kid moment. I think that is a way to make an impact you're not going to have that all the time but that's a good way to make a statement that the cruiserweight division is here and they're they it's just more it's you know it's just not extension of that of the CWC tournament
1: right no i agree they have to make it accessible for all audiences because i do believe that the CWC audience as as popular as it was are probably a very minute percentage of that of the audience that's at raw so I would agree with you. They need to make it appealing for everybody instead of just trying to cater to the internet fans, which are you know myself and you know many others. But when you go when you go to these television tapings, there's so many there that are seeing it for the first time. They need to make it more, yeah. Because you're right, that might be an indication for some fans to be like, "Let's go take a bathroom break or get a beer while those ropes are being changed." So that that's something that they probably could help integrate them better into the show. And I and I will say that. The first week that they introduced him, they didn't do him any favors. But I think it's gradually gotten better because they do have that storyline with Brian Kendrick and uh, Perkins now. It's 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 developed into a robbery, which is good.
0: Make a good point. I was just about to make that point as well. Kendrick is really you know coming in the division, coming into Raw was the only guy that really had a story. You know, it's a comeback story, Mm -hmm. and people people know Brian Kendrick. So Mm -hmm. right.
1: Well, can I can I can I say one thing real quick about the SmackDown? I, think, I want to say this real quick and why I, another thing I think that they're benefiting from is they don't have the that that uh, so there's too much authority on Raw. Like and I say too much authority meaning too much of the authority, like you know, Triple H isn't on the show so much. But Stephanie, she's still there. She, she still tries to make herself a bigger star than the talent, emasculating him kind of not as often ever since the new era, but it does come up once in a while. You know, the same old opening promo happening every single week. It's become very predictable where SmackDown has, you know, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, both really popular with the fans. They stay in the back by and large. There was one week where you didn't even see one authority figure on the show, and that was very refreshing. I think the whole heel authority figure thing needs to go. And, um, and I know Foley's a popular character, too, but he's all over the show. He needs to just show up when order needs to be restored. And also, uh, they have the former NXT head writer, Ryan Ward, is now the head writer on SmackDown. So he brings that same vibe of making everything count and less is more. So um, I think SmackDown has benefited
0: from that. The one thing, I praise SmackDown here, but the one thing I don't like about SmackDown, you'll probably disagree with me, and I'm a big Daniel Bryan supporter, and to me he's the last guy i really connected with in the world of professional wrestling as a fan but the one thing I don't like about SmackDown is having Daniel Bryan getting involved with Storyline with The Miz. I just don't see no end game because he can't wrestle, and there won't be a payoff if he can't wrestle.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, um, it, it, it initially seemed like he wasn't that comfortable in the role. I think he's getting more comfortable, but I agree. Like They, they did that talking smack uh, segment with Miz, Daniel, Daniel Bryan. They got a lot of buzz, and they got a lot of chatter about what this means. And as we see, as we saw it transpire, it basically just transitioned into Dolph Ziggler playing the part of Daniel Bryan uh, in the match. So you're right, there is no end game. Uh, it was a great segment, but it just left a lot, of, a lot of unanswered questions and maybe even false hope in the fans' eyes. So I, I, it, it blurred a lot of lines, too. It was kind of reality-based and... And I also thought some of the comments Brian made towards Miz, which I can't believe I'm saying this, was a little bit out of line, saying that he wrestles too safe and things like that. If you're going to believe that those are shoot comments, I I don't agree with that. I think Miz is still healthy and and on top for the most part because he has wrestled safe. And I think if Daniel Bryan wrestled to get himself over, but once he got over, had started maybe changing his style and not taking so many risks, it might be a different story.
0: Well, we know that WWE is the NFL, or the biggest dog in the fight, if you will, in the world of professional wrestling. But the indie scene is on fire right now with companies like PWG, Evolve, just to name a few. WWE has done a great job of scouting and bringing in some of the world's top talent into NXT or straight to the main roster, AJ Styles. Who do you see the WWE bringing in from the Indies next? I know Ring of Honor's world champion, Adam Cole, seems to be the logical choice to me. My personal opinion, to me, he's one of the most well-rounded talents out there right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, uh, before him was Roderick Strong. And he's now been signed by WWE to debut in NXT soon. I mean, that's where he's going first. So, uh, next in line, in my opinion, besides Jay Lethal, because I think he's very well, very well That's a good point. Well. Yeah. So, Jay Lethal and Adam Cole are, to me, the two biggest glaring, probably next in line to get to a WWE. Um, Jay Lethal has shown that he's, I'll get to Adam Cole in a second, but Jay Lethal has shown that he's he's basically, he, he fits the mold that WWE wants. He's very diverse. He can talk. He can wrestle heel. He can wrestle face. He does a killer Ric Flair and Macho Man impression. So, he can be an entertainer as well. So I think Vince McMahon would, would eat him up, um, and I, it's only a matter of time. Now, Adam Cole, like, I, I agree. He cuts such a great promo, and he has great cadence, and he's he has a very, uh, I don't want to say Ric Flair, because he's not so wiry, I guess if that's the word I could, but he he comes maybe almost in an Arn Anderson style of a promo, where he when he talks, you listen, and he has a good look, and he's athletic. Now, and, and again, they've shown time and time again that, The mindset in WWE is changing as far as size, but he looks, you know, good size in Ring of Honor, but if he comes to WWE, he might look small. I don't know if that'll be a hindrance, but I do think he has all the tools to make it, and I think very soon, maybe when his Ring of Honor contract is up, he'll be there. Now, I'm going to credit Dave Meltzer of The Wrestling Observer, who basically said, regarding his contract, that it was originally expired at the end of the year, but due to missing some dates, it's now set to expire in April. So I would believe by late spring of next year we might see Adam Cole ended with me in some fashion.
0: I definitely agree. Those are two of my guys that I had in my notes as well. This week, Jim Ross tweeted out that according to a reliable source that he has, that a match between Brock Lesnar and Goldberg is in the works for Survivor Series. First, two part question. First, do you think this will happen? If so, if not it's Survivor Series will happen down the road. And second, is this match something that the fans can be actually excited about? Uh, I know recently Goldberg and Paul Heyman have been exchanging pleasantries via Twitter, but Goldberg has been out for 13 years if my math is right. To me, I have a hard time getting up for this match. There's some mystique and nostalgia with Goldberg coming back, I guess, but I just have a hard time getting up for this match. What are your thoughts on it?
1: I'm kind of with you on it, too. I'm actually somewhere in the middle. I guess the, the way I'm okay with it, and, and to just, I mean, I, when you ask if fans can get excited for it, I think it depends on the kind of fans, because a lot of the new fans have never seen Goldberg. I mean, he was done in 2004, and he was, and he became famous and most well-known in the late 90s. 98, 99 was his hottest years. So a lot of the new fans that maybe just came around in the last 10 years or so, or 10 to 15, are were are really young when they probably first started watching it. Had never seen him unless they go to the network and watch a lot of his, uh, you know, catalog, if you will. So they may be into watching it because they've never seen him. It's this legend guy that they've never been. You know, he's, he's kind of cool. He's a cool look. We've heard about him. We want to see him. We want to see him do his thing live and experience it. And then you might have the nostalgic the nostalgia fans like myself who remember his remembered his first run. And if you were a fan of him, then you're more than likely up for this. Then you have the mainstream fans who maybe don't watch anymore, but they remember Goldberg, they know Brock Lesnar, and they're probably going to get a subscription to the network for the first time in a long time, if it maybe ever, to watch this match because they know those two names. Myself, personally, I am not necessarily excited for the match, but I will say that I think if it happens at Survivor Series, I like it for two reasons. One, I don't really want to see it in Mania. Because I would rather have Goldberg go in the Hall of Family meeting and Lesnar have a different opponent. Two, it makes Survivor Series a big deal by having that such a high profile rematch, if you will, at Survivor Series. And it trumps that up to make that another Big Four event. Because I'm a big Survivor Series fan, and I think they've have been done great at making it feel important over the years, like they used to. So, you know, and I think if they're both motivated and Goldberg wants to have his son, you know, Goldberg's 50. And he said he wants to have his son see him wrestle. I think he's motivated. Lesnar's obviously more motivated now I think it can actually be a better match and you can erase that match at WrestleMania 20 They had that was such a disaster and I would like to think that if Ross Jim Ross of all people tweeted it It's probably gonna happen because I don't foresee him being a being someone that's going to start a rumor if it's not 99% Clear that it's going to happen.
0: Well, let's talk some more rumors that have been in the making recently. Rumors have been getting more and more frequent that WWE has an interest in buying TNA. Kevin, do you buy these rumors? I know I just don't. I just don't see what WWE gains even if so.
1: Well, uh, well, what I've heard, excuse me, what I've heard is a modified uh, version of the original story. Like you said, WWE buying TNA has now turned into. WWE to buy TNA tape library, and Billy Corgan is going to buy the company and rebrand it, and name it something else. So I think that's probably the best case scenario. Now, do I think it's worth Corgan's money to do it? No. I, in my opinion, I would. I want WWE to buy TNA's tape library and then just let the company and let Corgan walk away. Because I don't think it's worth it to anybody to buy them. Because it's they're just hanging on by a thread. I don't. I just don't think they're going to make any money, and you're delaying the inevitable. And I think you just let all of, the, all of the talent that you have there that are really good, they can go either WBE, WWE, NXT, which is one of the same, or Evolve or Ring of Honor or PWG and make a really good l- lucha underground in Japan. They can make their living elsewhere, make a thriving living, and make a name for themselves again. And, you know, I don't want to see, see anyone lose their jobs, but I just think TNA being on the marketplace as they are currently, or even as a rebranded promotion, is just a waste of resources and it's just a lay in the inevitable they've been hanging on by a thread for probably six years but i, I want to see WWE by the tape library i think with all that content of Kurt angle and aj styles and samoa joe and christopher daniels um i mean i know christopher daniels is in WWE, but just all this great action that they could it sting i mean sting's second second run basically was in TNA, and they could finally mention this stuff. And I I, th- I can see it happen. I think there's value in it, to put it on the network and have that tape library. You might even get TNA loyalists to, if, if they're picking one promotion over the other and they're loyal to TNA, they might actually become a WWE subscriber. I can't imagine that not already, but I want to see it happen. And whatever happens from there, if Billy Corbyn does get the rest of the company and rebrand it, good luck to him. I don't watch TNA, I, I, I haven't really been a fan of the product. I know they've been doing some good stuff lately. I just, I, I don't, it, it, I want to see it succeed. If it, it can actually be a viable, good product, I just don't see it happen.
0: I will say that Billy Corgan has done a, g- a great job, in my opinion, with creative since having a more hands on role within the company. His work with Matt Hardy's new character, the Broken Matt Hardy, experience, which I like to refer to as, I think, has been a bright spot for TNA. It's given it attention that it hasn't had. I think it's been, done, for the most part, done really well creatively. And I think Corgan, from everything I've read, that has had a hands-on role with Matt Hardy and that character. Yeah, everything has been actually,
1: has improved a lot since Billy Corgan took over the creative side and so it, it just seemed a little it's like too little too late at this point uh, they you know is like the boy of the credible company but i, I guess i want to maybe change my initial stance is that if t you know if WWE buys the tape library and billy corgan does buy it it makes it better i'm all for it i was all for it going away you know but i that, know that's a cynical viewpoint it's probably not the best viewpoint to have so if billy corgan can can change it rebrand it and you know has a television deal in place still or gets a new one or what have you that I'm all for it because it has improved, it just seemed like it was too little too late because those talks again, you know, and Dixie Carter is kind of not doing herself any favors because she's kind of, I mean, she's, I hate to equate her to Trump, but she just can't keep her mouth shut sometimes, you know, and she kind of does more harm than good, and she's not, it doesn't seem like she's real transparent with the talent and not paying them, and these, you can't have these issues because we saw what happened last time that happened, and that was a much better promotion, it was called ECW.
0: Well, that's a good way to wrap things up, Kevin. I like I said, I, I've been a big fan of your work. I'm very appreciative of everything you do for Pro Wrestling Iowa.net. I know that was my my past venture, and I'm enjoying my current one with my own podcast. But I definitely think that, in my opinion, that you are a very underrated writer, and I definitely enjoy reading all your work. Well, I really appreciate that. It means a lot
1: coming from you. You brought me on to Pro Wrestling Iowa um in the first place so i really appreciate those uh, kind words about my work and i think what you're doing is great as well Uh, the diversity of guests you have on you're a great interviewer you have a good style and it's good to see it thriving and you enjoying yourself so keep doing what you're doing i'll be happy to come back and talk anything whether it's wrestling music pop culture comedy you name it i'll be here
0: Thanks for listening to the Brad LaFrat Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe and rate on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Brad Pod. This has been a Brad LaFrat production. Join me every other Monday for another edition of the Brad LaFrat Podcast.